This week marks the second anniversary of the Supreme Court's decision making gay marriage legal. The legal fight for gay rights obviously is continuing, but it still may surprise you to know that LGBTQ employees are not protected against workplace discrimination under federal civil rights laws in every state. In fact, in April, the Chicago Appeals Court became the first federal appeals court to rule that anti-gay discrimination is illegal under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. Then in May, Manhattan's federal appeals court agreed to rehear an appeal where a three-judge panel had tossed out the case of a skydiving instructor who claimed his employer fired him because he was gay. And the amicus briefs have been piling up in support of the employee. What's unusual is that the briefs are not just from groups like the ACLU, Lambda, and the EEOC, but also from dozens of major U.S. companies across the spectrum, from Microsoft, Google, and Viacom, to Lyft, Ben & Jerry's, and Levi Strauss. Joining us are Michael Selmy, a professor at George Washington University Law School, and Anthony Kreiss, a professor at the Chicago Kent College of Law. Michael, tell us what the legal issue is facing the Second Circuit under Title VII. Uh, the legal issue, which, as you noted, uh, has been popping up in a number of courts recently, is that whether Title VII, the primary federal statute that prohibits discrimination based on gender, um, includes or extends to protecting individuals based on uh, their sexual orientation, so that gays, lesbians, transgender individuals would be able to sue under Title VII if the statute is interpreted to include sexual orientation preference um, as a category of, uh, that falls under the statute. Anthony, this sounds a lot like an issue the Supreme Court almost grappled with this term having to do with uh, whether transgender students got access to uh, bathrooms uh, that corresponded with their gender identity. I is it basically the same same legal question? Yeah. So, so there are certainly different nuances uh, to, to that case, the Grimm case, um, and the Title VII case that's uh, presented to the Second Circuit uh, in, in the next uh, few months. But at the end of the day, the question is, is more or less the same. What does it mean to discriminate on the basis of sex? And the Supreme Court has, I think, established a really simple test. In fact, the Supreme Court said it's a simple test um, to show to, or to evidence whether sexual, uh, sex discrimination has occurred. Um, and if you, if you think about it, you know, at the end of the day, if an employer uh, discriminates against someone because of their sexual orientation, they're really discriminating because of the person's sex that they're having an intimate relationship with. And at the end of the day, um, you know, if, a, if an employee is mistreated because they had an intimate relationship with a person of one sex, but they wouldn't because if they, if they had a relationship with a person of, a, of the other sex, um, you know, the causation is mistreatment uh, based on sex, and it's sex discrimination. Michael, in their brief, the Attorneys General of New York, Connecticut, and Vermont argue that sexual orientation discrimination is a form of sex stereotyping. Are they using that argument because of the Supreme Court precedent prohibiting gender stereotyping? Uh, in part, yes. Uh, this has been an issue that the EUC in particular over the last few years has been um, very... Uh, strong on and has been pushing, and they've been pushing this particular interpretation uh, that 
discriminating based on someone's sexual orientation is treating them uh, in a stereotypical way because the individuals who are gay or lesbian, transgender, do not fit the norm of a stereotype that in- individuals may have regarding what a man or a woman uh, should be. And this argument's been around for a while. It's consistent with some of the issues the Supreme Court uh, has addressed in sexual harassment cases. Um, and so it's become the common argument uh, to extend Title Seven to include sexual orientation. Anthony, uh, so Michael just mentioned the EEOC position in this case. Is that something that is going to change because of the Trump administration? And if so, is that going to significantly change the, the the state of these lawsuits? Um, so the EEOC, uh, there, there hasn't been any indication thus far that that there's um, any motivate or there's any plans on changing their position on this issue. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, this is a matter of statutory interpretation for the courts. And while the EEOC is, of course, uh, persuasive and uh, some, uh, you know, their, their, uh, you know, their opinions are, are ones that the courts will look at and take seriously, you know, this is still an issue of statutory interpretation, and that's up to the courts um, to decide. And, and I think that that's... Um, you know, the courts are, are equipped to do that, and, uh, you know, the Second Circuit will do exactly what the Seventh Circuit did and, and take a hard look at the, the text of the statute and the underlying theories and make a decision based, based on their best judgment. We've been talking about an upcoming hearing at the Second Circuit that could provide a legal shield for gay workers under federal civil rights laws with Michael Selmy, professor at George Washington University Law School, and Anthony Christ, professor at the Chicago-Kent College of Law. Anthony... There are there other decisions, other circuit court decisions on this, one in Georgia, and then there was the Chicago Appeals Court, which was the first to rule that this actually could be under job discrimination in, under Title VII for um, people who are gay. Now, in the con- they all seem to have different kinds of reasons for their statutory interpretation, but... In a concurring opinion, Judge Joe Flom, who was appointed by President Reagan, wrote that sexual orientation discriminate constitution constitutes sex discrimination under Title VII without any need to reinterpret the law. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and, and like I said earlier, um, the Supreme Court's test for what constitutes sex discrimination is, is pretty, uh, you know, it's simple and, and it cleanly fits. Uh, in the sexual orientation context, you know, given, um, you know, people, if they're mistreated based on their sexual orientation, they're mistreated because um, they're, you know, the person that they're, you know, engaged in an intimate relationship with is, you know, quote-unquote, of the wrong sex um, in the employer's view. Um, And it fits quite well with uh, the sex stereotyping theories and other theories of sex discrimination under Title VII. So I think, um, you know, that, that concurring opinion captures exactly what is true, Title VII, uh, you know, it, it, you don't have to reinvent Title VII or uh, recreate something that's not already there. It clearly uh, bans sex, sexual orientation discrimination. Michael, I want to ask you about a brief that was filed uh, the other day by dozens of major U.S. companies. They are actually arguing in favor of sexual orientation being covered under Title VII, which um, I guess would mean they are um, more likely to be sued for discriminating on the basis of sexual orientation. Uh, how how striking or significant do you find that brief? I have to say uh, it did uh, seem to me to be quite extraordinary because, as you noted, the 
companies are essentially arguing for an expansion of the law that uh, does not exist in most of the country right now that would apply to them and potentially uh, expand the areas of liability for the companies. And from that perspective, it seems quite different from the circumstances where companies have joined uh, in amicus briefs in support of affirmative action, which would be where when they did that, they were arguing that the Supreme Court should not ban affirmative action, that they wanted to be able to voluntarily engage in affirmative action. This does seem quite different in that they are arguing that the law should be more comprehensive, um, subjecting them to more liability. How influential it will be, it's, it's hard to know. Um, there will be a lot of amicus briefs filed here and then eventually in the Supreme Court when this issue gets there probably next year. Um, and uh, the Supreme Court has certainly taken the business community's views in these areas um, seriously. So from that perspective, it could definitely have a significant effect. Anthony, how many companies have their own non-discrimination policies in effect? Um, well, if you look at most of the, you know, this country's largest corporations, um, the overwhelming majority of them uh, have sexual orientation and gender identity expressly included in their in their own policies. And I think one of the important things to note, um, from at least the legal angle here, um, is that these companies that are asking the Second Circuit to interpret Title VII to include sexual orientation uh, discrimination claims are really telling the court uh, that that. They have no reliance interest in maintaining this outdated precedent. So, in other words, if the court does interpret Title VII, I think correctly that sexual orientation discrimination is sex discrimination. That overturning the 17-year-old precedent won't won't cause some dramatic upheaval in the way employers do business because so many of them already include it in their own policies, and many of them operate in states and localities that have non-discrimination protections expressly written out for LGBT persons as well. Michael, you a minute ago mentioned the Supreme Court. Um, Folks on the left breathed a big sigh of relief this week when Anthony Kennedy didn't retire at the end of this term. Uh, Certainly possible he will retire at the end of next term. Uh, um, If the court, if it doesn't get to the court until after uh, Kennedy has been replaced by a Donald Trump appointee, is there really a whole lot of prospect uh, that the court would say that that, uh, uh, Title VII includes sexual orientation? With Justice Kennedy on the court, um, I think there is a possibility. It's not, to me, this is actually a difficult statutory interpretation question, in part because the history of the statute is so clear that sex orientation was not intended to be included in the uh, original passage of the statute. And there have been efforts to amend the statute over time to uh, extend the protections to sexual orientation. So I think the conservative majority of the court is going to have a hard time, uh, is likely to have a hard time interpreting the statute to include sexual orientation. However, Justice Kennedy has been very progressive and very good on expanding constitutional rights uh, to include same-sex marriage and for other protections for gays and lesbians, transgender individuals. And it's quite possible that he would take an approach kind of like Judge Posner did in the Court of Appeals, where he said, you know, it's just time that we extend the statute. Um, He may not be as bold to say it as directly as Judge Posner did, but I think there is some possibility the Supreme Court would interpret the statute to include sexual orientation. Anthony, the Second Circuit takes up very few cases on bank, meaning the all the judges will sit and listen. In the last six years, it only reconsidered two cases on bank. Why do you think it took up this case? So 
I think the so the Second Circuit generally has a philosophy that um, if a circuit precedent needs to be taken up on bank, uh, it's probably worthy of cert from the Supreme Court. So they try to um, they tend not to to grant those uh, cases and, and do so very sparingly. And I, and I think here this is just such a case of uh, great significance and importance to the country as a whole. Um, and given the, the rapidly changing, uh, you know, mount or the, the changing jurisprudence on LGBT rights, both in Title VII and in the constitutional landscape, it's hard to sustain their 2000 opinion um, and their, their 2000 ruling that sexual orientation isn't covered under Title VII. And the only way for the Second Circuit to correct that themselves is to do it through on All right. Uh, I'm sorry. We'll have to leave it there. That's Anthony Kreiss of Chicago Kent Law School and Michael Selmy of George Washington University Law School.